everybody. Welcome back to the eighth episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I'm on this week with uh, old, like remarkably old friend, Bobby Corrala, uh, who I was introduced to uh, back in 2013. Uh, the two-man game hosted by Rob Mahoney had folded because the True Hoop Network kind of collapsed in upon itself. And uh, a mutual friend of ours, Brian Gutierrez, had started uh, Mavs Outsider, and you uh, were looking for a place to write. And a, an editor at Fansided now by the name of Ian Levy uh, had noted that you were uh, writing for Hickory High, were very talented, but were kind of very Mavs-centric. And if I remember the story correctly, he introduced you to either me or to Brian and basically said, this is a guy that you need to have writing on your site. And we covered the Mavs there together for about a year. And then, you know, you were doing lots of things at the same time back in 2013, 14. And then you pivoted to to working for the Mavericks, which is what you've been doing for the last four plus years. Do I kind of have that right? Yeah, man, it is it is crazy to think that this is going to be my seventh season in the NBA. And I will say, God bless Ian Levy. That guy has he opened more doors for me. And I mean, I'm sure just from you working with him, I mean, he has gone so far. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of like, <laughs> it feels like, I don't know, I owe a lot of what I've been able to do to him for giving me a chance. But uh, yeah, no, you had you had the timeline right. So uh, right, well, I, out of I really went. I went down your link, your LinkedIn today, which kudos to you for keeping it up to date. Uh, oh, it's up to date, actually. It, well, it's up to date insofar as you know your like kind of your new position within the last year or so. It's good in oh, the okay. fact that like our mutual friend Andrew Tobolowski still has on his LinkedIn that he is a PhD candidate. When he oh, has wow. like a PhD, he's a doctor teaching at you know teaching at uh, I want to say. Uh, school in Virginia here, and and it's a, it's funny because I, I don't log into it that much either. But it was a it was kind of a just a, a great trip down memory lane because you also you know back when you kind of dipped into this, you know, you covered you were you were a newspaper guy for a while. Uh, Might have been your college newspaper, and then you did some work at at uh, B Ball Breakdown, which is a site that's still up and running. Which was the thing oh, I man. actually didn't even know. So it was it was kind of yeah. Fun well, to just... no, so I I was only there for a minute actually, so. Uh... Uh, Coach Nick reached out to a couple of us at Hickory High because for a little bit there, Hickory High was Ian's website. And it kind of like, I don't know, it kind of like went defunct before it joined uh, Hardwood, mm-hmm. uh, HP basketball site, and Hardwood Paroxysm. I never knew how to say that word. Is it paroxysm or paroxysm? It is paroxysm. Paroxysm, okay. So right before Hickory High joined Hardwood Paroxysm, Coach Nick came and asked a couple of us to write for him. So we did, and it was great. And in the meantime, um, I was also stringing high school football games for the Dallas Morning News. Oh, God, so every so Friday I would go to. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I would go to, like, I, w- I went as far west as, like, Fort Worth, as far north as, like, Princeton. I don't even know if you know where that is. That's, like, on the <laughs> other do. side of McKinney. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, I went, I went everywhere. South Dallas. I went to uh, east, like, all the way up to Plano and beyond. Uh, Wiley. So I was all over the place, man. Those first couple years were crazy. But, uh, I mean, kind of the constant through it all was getting to argue with you. And I will say the first year, that, that first, that Monte season, it was so much fun that, you know, everyone kind of got along. But then uh, once you went, like, more Mavs money bolly, and I stuck on <laughs> at uh, Mavs Outsider Report, like, we kind of became frenemies for a little while there, mostly over Jay Crowder, but also Rondo and some other things. 
Well, it, it, and it and and that's what was great about dipping into the LinkedIn, where it's like, man, it really has been a just just a long time of covering the Mavs, and and yeah. that that was that was kind of fun to just just think back about a little bit. Well, currently, I think your title, yeah, and so if everybody doesn't know, Bobby obviously writes and works for the Mavs at Mavs.com. They have, if you've not been to their website in the last 60 days or so, which is the offseason, I wouldn't blame you. They did a relaunch of their, of their uh, kind of their homepage and everything. And it, you know, even, even the, it is a, just a phenomenal looking website right now. It loads quickly. It is, it's like great to look at. It's easy to navigate. It's one of those pages where you can go to, you know, to look for one thing and you end up staying there for probably 10 extra minutes just because you're kind of clicking around, which was, you know, really what I did today when I was reading some of your, your stories from the last couple of days. And so that, that, that's, could you, could you, you know, kind of break our audience in, which, uh, you know they know you you have more followers than me on twitter uh, people who don't know bobby corral are like what the heck are you doing yeah, could, your followers you kind of... are on average more important than mine i will say that you know all the big wigs <laughs> no you know no that's that's just because i talk too much but but let's let's i i, I want to focus on you for a little bit so so walk us through kind of what you know your job title i think is digital content manager but like what does that mean and then what are the things you do that like aren't really under that that job umbrella okay so um my title that is my title it's digital content manager um and i guess my my role has kind of evolved so whenever i first got hired full-time in 2015 i did two years of um basically like part-time internship kind of freelance work before that but when i got hired full-time in 2015 it was to write for the website and that's pretty much it at the time, we had one full-time writer on staff and uh, who was only basically covering, like, the games. And so they needed someone who could, you know, write about stuff going on in the community uh, and then maybe do a little bit of kind of my, my favorite thing to do, which is kind of like the X's and O's, real, like, analytic, nerdy stuff. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then two years ago, um, started doing a podcast with Matt Mosley. Now I do a skin called Numbers on the Boards. Uh, and we started doing a whole lot more podcasts. So it's kind of like we're doing the same thing that every other side is doing, where we're like, or at least I am, where it's kind of more pivot to video and audio. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, our side has added Eddie Sethko and Dwayne Price in the last year or so. Uh, so they kind of do most of the writing now. I still write when needed, uh, but a lot of what I do is hosting podcasts. I do stuff at the arena on the nights of games. Uh, like pregame, I do an interview with Chris Arnold. Um, and, I, I, you know, I love going on podcasts. Uh, you know, other, other Mavs podcasts and NBA podcasts and, and radio shows and things like that. Uh, so pretty much just like my ultimate job is to just talk and write about the Mavs um, and just follow the team around wherever they are. I am basically. So it's a whole lot of fun, but uh, as far as things that I do that aren't necessarily digital content, um, sorry, my voice is kind of messed up. I was out in San Diego for a couple of days and going from 95 to like 65 is really kind of screws with me. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, as far as things that aren't digital, um, I am lucky enough actually to be part of what's called the Mavs Speakers Bureau, which is basically uh, people like Rolando Blackman and like Derek Harper, Cedric Sabalos, and like really, really, really like successful people. And then also me. Um, <laughs> and like if a school is having like a career day or something, uh, you know, they want someone from the Mavs to come out. And if, if you know, one of those guys, either maybe uh, is out of town or is busy or whatever, 
uh, and they can't do it, then I'm summoned to, to go and do it. And I love doing that, too, because I get to go to, you know, middle schools, elementary schools, high schools uh, around the Metroplex and just hang out with kids that, that really love sports. So I really enjoy doing that. Um, and then in addition to just kind of helping other people out as needed. So kind of the way that I am on Twitter, if you follow me on there, which is just like real kind of like upbeat and dorky about basketball. Um, if anybody in the company on any, any like department needs some basketball knowledge for like whatever, we're running an ad campaign or, you know, we want to sell tickets to a certain game. Like what's a good way to do that? Kind of like, I don't know, just give us a little more background information on why people should care about the Mavs versus the magic, you know, um, I kind of help people with that too. So just kind of like the, I don't know, like Mavs man and champ are the real Mavs mascots. I'm kind of like the unofficial Mavs mascot, I guess is the best way that I could put it. I really, I, I really, that I, one, you know, part of why I brought you on is you and I probably talk two to three times a week, either on Twitter, DMs, or text, or whatnot. But part yeah. of why I wanted to bring you on was the fact that I knew there was a lot that I didn't know. So, like, that Mavs Speakers Bureau thing is one example of that. And that's, like, that's really cool. So, that actually yeah, leads, it, that actually leads directly into my next question, because I think, it, you know, I was to guess most fans of sports franchises view them as as you know kind of big conglomerates with a massive staff that that do you know that have all sorts of people doing different things and if I were to guess just because I've I've done some interacting with some of the great people on the Mavs staff uh, my favorite in the Mavs power rankings is your is your colleague um with the, the Tamara uh Jolie who who is just oh yeah lovely. Dude, she's awesome she is just lovely. I, if you don't follow her on Twitter, I'm going to tag her in the post just because she is she's she's wonderful and really kind of shines a light on some of the things that the Mavs do that that you know isn't really covered enough by by people like me. But well, before she I, came here, she actually used to work for she did stuff for Tech for a while. Uh, I think while Mahomes was there, your your guy, and then um, she also worked for USA Basketball. Wow. Too. That was, God, that, that was one of her first jobs. So yeah. Gonna, so she's got to... loads of. I'm. She's got so many stories. I mean, I'm sure she'd she'd come on. I don't want to volunteer on her behalf, but I uh, I really might ask though because yeah. I, she she's a delight. But but one of the things that that I don't think people understand is entirely how sports teams are structured. And if I were to guess, to some degree, there's there's a flavor of small business in in at least with how the Mavericks are operating because you know. It strikes me that there's a lot of people who have been there doing various things for many years, and and I was hoping you might be able to kind of give our fans, you know, a little bit of a breakdown as to how the organization is structured, because one of the things you and I have joked about in DMs is about how, you know, when it comes to, like, rumors and what's happening with player acquisition and whatnot, like, you're just as in the dark as we are, despite being a Mavericks employee. Is that is that kind of safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's this way to a degree with every organization, but for like, we all kind of view the Mavs as like this really tight-lipped organization, leak-free and all that stuff. I mean, that definitely applies to us. And people like me and Tamara and Lizelle, who runs our social media, Mike Marshall, who uh, kind of heads up our digital department. I mean, Eddie and Dwayne, even people that are around the team like all day, every day, basically, we don't even know anything most of the time. I mean, <laughs> it's two totally separate entities, like the basketball side from the uh, from the business side. I'm technically on the business side. Um, so, like, the basketball side is like your Donnie Nelson, Rick, 
uh, Keith Grant, players, coaches, all that stuff. And then on the business side, it's your ticket sales, uh, you know, your corporate sponsorships, your marketing, uh, digital, social, video, things like that. Um, you know, accounting, all, all of the things that are actually kind of like whenever you think of a, a business, like a company, a corporation, uh, that's the, the business side. And we're in two, we're closer to each other now than we were before. Like up until a couple of years ago, we were working in Deep Ellum and the team was at the arena. Well, now we're both in the same kind of parking lot across uh, the highway from, from the American Airlines Center. Um, but it's still kind of like a two different ends of the spectrum as far as like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just not a lot of overlap at all. So, um, so yeah, that it, it is kind of funny anytime, like, I don't know, stuff comes out and I, I don't know, like we just don't know anything. I don't know. I, people ask like me a lot and people like Dwayne and Eddie, I'm sure too, like, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And we're bound by like tampering rules, obviously to not talk about it. But even if we could talk about it, I wouldn't have anything interesting to say because I don't know anything at all ever. Uh, I mean, it really is like, a, I don't know. I mean, it, they do a really good job of keeping their mouth shut basically. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of on everybody. If you do want to know something or like, you know, get up to speed on a rumor, then, I mean, you got to do the same prying and poking around that actual reporters do. Um, so even though like we work for the team, there is still kind of a degree of separation and I'm sure that's intentional. They want to keep it about basketball all the time. And, uh, you know, as soon as you let in kind of like employees and stuff into the mix, then it can kind of, I don't know. It feels more like a job and less like basketball. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, sure. So I I think that has something to do with it. The, the, the specific aspects of, of, you know, understanding what's happening behind the scenes. I think that, that, you know, depending on how into basketball you are, you guys specifically with like what you and Mike Marshall, Dwayne and Eddie do, you guys are, are essentially an independent media group that has the Mavs name attached to it. But you know, some of the stuff that you guys do is not that different than what, you know, what the Dallas morning news wants to do, or to a lesser extent, what some of us bloggers want to do, which is essentially, you know, put out content that people can consume. I simply just make the case that you guys have way better access than some of us, because like today, or uh, recently it looked like you were on a pod, like you had Jalen Brunson on a podcast, which is, <laughs> that's just not the kind of access that the rest of us get. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I tried to, I, I roughed my way through Jalen's leg, just like I'm doing with yours now with no voice and everything. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, the access that we do get is great. And I think that's really important too, because even though we try and do kind of keep that sort of like independent mindset, at the end of the day, we do work for the team. So, you know, we have the player's best interest in mind and the team's best interest in mind and all of that. Um, but, you know, even though we get incredible access, teams like the Raptors, I don't know if you've watched, I think they call it like Open Court, I think is the name of their video series. Mm-hmm. on youtube dude it is unbelievable so the raptors and the maple leafs are owned by the same uh like conglomerate it's called like maple leafs and raptors entertainment or like toronto M- entertainment or something um they have a 100 person video team literally 100 people on their video team that all they do is make this documentary about their entire season it's incredible so um you know we're know, kind of like big. my god dude yeah yeah it's amazing it is absolutely amazing. So, you know, we do get incredible access. Of course, we always want more. The team, you know, isn't trying to let us in to, like, 
film their practice. So, you know, it's kind of like a little push and pull sort of thing. Uh, just like it would be with anywhere else. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, like I said, we, we have the player's best interest in mind. Uh, you know, we're not going to write like giant hit pieces if someone has a bad month or something, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, our goal ultimately is to tell the best story possible. I mean, I think that's one thing, you know, credit to, to Mark and, uh, our marketing director, this guy named Jerome Elena's, uh, going out and getting like Eddie and Dwayne to bring in. These are like longtime veteran guys, um, who, you know, have really good relationships with the players and everything. So, uh, you know, we want people to read about the Mavs on Mavs.com. Whereas, you know, like I said, five years ago, we only had one writer. Well, now we have like five. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we are putting a, a lot more focus on, you know, creating content, not just written stuff, also video and, and audio as well. Yeah, and and I just want to pub this because I read it today. Dwayne, or I'm sorry, Eddie Sefko wrote a really good piece about uh, athletic trainer. What, uh, his name's Dion Calhoun, uh, who was a part of Team USA this summer, and it's just a really in-depth look at what he did, his thoughts on the experience there, and like that's just the sort of reporting that you're not getting anywhere else. You know, and and it's it's really it's it's. I personally have made Mavs.com one of these places where I check at least twice a week just to see what's what's going on because, you know, Heck as much yeah. as I like to do as, as a fan, you know, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in this weird place where I, I, I try to take my job seriously, but at the end of the day, I view myself as a fan. And so going to read these sorts of things, like, I don't have access to this. And, and that's just yep. like, that sort of stuff is really cool to read. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, and it really is. And that stuff, like, like I said, I mean, Eddie and Dwayne have known these guys for so long. That's the advantage of, you know, staying in the game forever. Uh, like, I mean, even even though you're not in it every day like they are, like some other people are, you being around the NBA for so long, you've met people, at least in the media business, that nobody else has. You know what I mean? Sure. No, it's a relationship. The, the longer it's... you do something, yeah, yeah, it's all relationships. So uh, that's been really great for us just – having them come in because, you know, they got relationships with people that go all the way back to the nineties and the eighties. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome, but yeah, we've, we, they've, they've really helped us step, step up our game uh, on our website, which I'm, I'm really, really grateful for. Well, this actually interesting. It it pivots kind of directly into my next question, which I know, and and I, I create content as well. So I know there's probably some things you can't talk about, but I'm wondering, you know, what sort of things are you looking forward to covering in, in, in the coming season or writing about or podcasting about kind of whatever, you know, what stuff are you able to talk about and, and, and what things are you excited about? I mean, obviously it's, KP and Luca, right? How are the, how are they going to fit together? But I think more, I, I don't know. I always try and take like a, obviously everyone cares about KP and Luca, but there's more interesting stuff than that. You know what I mean? Like those mm-hmm. guys are going to be super good no matter what. So what is something that maybe nobody else is thinking about? And for a while, you know, kind of, I, I always have like these like pet players on the team. It was like these role player guys that I just love and no matter what they do, I'm going to be like, yes, that is my guy. First, it was someone like Jay Crowder. Uh, and then it turned into Al Farouk Aminu, And then it was Dwight Powell. And then it was Seth Curry. And, like, for the most part, those guys have all gone on to have really, really good careers. And so yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, well, on this year's team, who is that guy? Last year was Jalen Brunson. Like, and, and Maxie the year before. I mean, like, you couldn't, you couldn't talk me off the Jalen Brunson train from the time they drafted him. And so this year, I think, 
if I'm going to really, really, really pay attention to any player on this team that maybe you're not paying as much attention to or that, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff to worry about. Uh, I think that guy is Justin Jackson for me, who is Ooh. came here in that Sacramento trade as kind of like whatever. It was almost like a salary dump thing. Is That's mm-hmm. how it was kind of framed. Um, but he came here and had some really, really good games, albeit it was kind of in a time where minutes were there to be had for basically whoever was healthy and playing that night. Um, you know, low stakes games and all that sort of thing. But I mean, he comes into this season now playing with two superstars or two all-star level players, maybe not superstar level players yet, but he's probably going to be your starter on opening night, I would think. So is he ready for that? Can he be, you know, you got DeLon Wright who's going to be guarding point guards, but can, can Justin be the, the wing defender? And can he give you a three-point shot on the offensive end, you know, consistently, not like 33%? and then 50% for a month, and then 20% for a month. Like, right. can you give me solid 35 to 40% for the whole season? Um, he he did beef up, apparently added 20 pounds. I, I haven't, like, seen him in person in a while, so I don't <laughs> really know. Uh, I can't attest to that. But, I mean, I trust that they wouldn't lie to us about that. Now, the question, obviously, with basketball is, as the season goes on, can you keep that weight up? Because you're yes. guaranteed to lose weight just from running around. But. Uh, I mean, clearly he's beefing up for something, whether that's to guard threes or even fours. I don't know. Um, there's no guarantee that he is even the starter. And frankly, there's no guarantee that he's going to start at three. Maybe he does start at four. And you go, like, super small with, like, Brunson, DeLon, Luca, and Justin Jackson and KP or something. I have no idea. But I think that he's kind of the guy who I'm going to, like, be unapologetically standing for this season. Um, and I'm kind of on a hot streak with that. Now, there have been other players that I've also really liked that haven't necessarily panned out as well. Um, but, like, I don't know, man. I, I got a rational love for guys like Maxie and Brunson, and I'm feeling that way about uh, Justin Jackson this year, and so I'm hoping that he hits. But that's going to kind of be the the thing that I'm watching, uh, in addition, obviously, to KP's health and how he and Luka mesh and everything. But they need somebody who can play, like, 30 minutes a game and – give you solid contributions on both offense and defense. And Justin is a really good candidate for that. Uh, I think DeLon Wright could be Dwight Powell, Maxie, all those guys too. But if Justin is really, really good this year, then that is going to help them win games so much more than it would if they just kind of had like a replacement level player at that spot. Sure, sure. I want to circle back on this sort of stuff in the second half of our podcast, but there's a couple more things I want to talk to you about before we go to commercial break. So – you have had, of all the people that I talk to, there's really you and our, our mutual friend Doyle Raider who have, and, and I obviously like Fish, who has have been a part of the media forever, but you have like this really lengthy Mavs memory. You know, your mom worked for the organization for years and years. You've been a fan much longer than, than all of us, uh, I mean, really, since since before Dirk, it's just kind of in, in part of your blood, really. But I want to know what are some of the favorite things that you've had to work on since you've been in this, you know, sort of position the last four four plus years. Some of my favorite things. Um, well, I think just for me, selfishly, uh, last year after Luca got drafted, the day after he got drafted, he came to Dallas for like a photo shoot and some other stuff, and I was the first person that got to interview him which was super cool. Really? So, uh, that kind of was like a highlight that? for me. Yeah. Yeah. I got to do a little video thing with him. Um, I asked him about Whataburger and like, <laughs> I remember that now. Like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I used that moment to get the really important information out of him. Um, so that was kind of a highlight for me, you know, personally, but as far as like, as it relates to the Mavs, some of the favorite things I've gotten to do are, um, this was in 2015, I think, uh, either 2014 or 2015. Um, Bob Ortigal was retiring from, um, doing the studio stuff for Fox sports. And so I got to write a little thing about him, just kind of like his story of, you know, calling games and coaching all the way back to, you know, the early days of his career. And, uh, I mean, I grew up watching Mavs games on TV all the time. I mean, my dad was if, – if we weren't at the game, then it was on TV. So, like, I grew up with Jim Durham and Bob Ortigal's, uh voices just in my brain from the time I was a very, very, very young child. And, uh, you know, watching Mavs games all throughout my life and then watching the pregame, the postgame that he was on and all that stuff. It was so cool and kind of like a highlight for me to get to just talk to him. Um, and also kind of like, I don't know, pay a little, pay a little homage to the guy. Um, you know, as, as he decided to call it a career. Um, and then, I don't know, man. I mean, I think some of my other favorite memories are uh, just getting to watch Harrison Barnes do stuff uh, in the community. Yeah. It's so cool because, I mean, I don't know, like, whenever you watch a guy do something nice on camera, you're, part of you is thinking, like, okay, how much of this is genuine? How much of this is for the camera? If the camera wasn't there, would he, be still, would he still be acting the same way, you know? Um, but having seen the way that Harrison interacts with people whenever there's no cameras around and whenever nobody is like, has their phone out and is like typing down every word he says, I mean, dude, that guy is unreal. And, uh, so, I mean, that was, that was a real highlight for me too, because that was at the point, you know, 2016, 2017, whenever it was kind of clear that Dirk was on the way out and we were just looking for something, you know, Mm -hmm. just somebody become someone become the guy, you know, and even though it didn't happen for him on the court, off the court, he was able to just be like this real kind of like stand up dude, just a really, really, really good guy. And, uh, I don't know, that was really cool to me. And then also every single second that I got to spend around Dirk was, uh, you know, the memory of a lifetime. Cause that guy is just, I mean, he's my hero, you know? So, yeah, he also murdered JJ Barea today on, on Twitter. Uh, he did. For anybody who was uh, paying attention, the NBA is, uh, apparently going to strictly i don't know how they're going to do this but they very much want like strict height weight and age measurements to be like accurate as possible and uh dirk uh just happened to tweet out uh asking jj if he was okay which uh you know we all made the joke i saw like 10 times but like the fact that you know dirk is is just such a oh, gosh i we, we've made it almost like he's 25 minutes without talking about Dirk, and he's just I, – I, I don't I don't know. We could have a whole Dirk podcast, which we may have to do, like, next year. But, but we should. It, it's uh, just a Dirk memory. So that's, that's a great idea. We should do that. You know, next but, season is the 41st season. Not the, <laughs> one, that's, not the one that's that's starting, like, in, you know, in a week. But, like, next season is the 41st season of Mavs basketball. So that would be a good time to do it, I think. <sighs> That's a, that's that's such an idea. Okay, well, before we cut to commercial break, I want to ask you one more thing. You have been okay. around, uh, you know, media for a while. You, you, it's it's you know, it's kind of second nature to you. But you know, as someone who's worked both for the Mavs and then worked kind of in media as a whole, what are things, or what are things that that you could be critic, if you could be put on your critical hat for a second, what are things that you wish that we, meaning 
Mavs Moneyball, uh, uh, DallasBasketball.com, uh, Mavs Fanatic, like those sorts of stuff. What are you? What are things that you wish that we either covered more or covered better? Like, like I, I really, I, I want to hear the the Bobby Corrala criticism for a minute. Okay. Um. Well, I don't know because I, I actually saw you talking about this with Josh either today or yesterday. Um. It had I forget exactly what the context was, but oh, I think you were complaining or not not complaining. You were doing the the Kirk thing. You know you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Rightfully so, in my opinion. Of I think ESPN was already talking about Giannis, mm-hmm. like two years before free agency, and you were like, "This <laughs> is dumb." And Josh was like, "I agree, this is dumb." But and this is a really good point that Josh made. Like there are numbers that are unequivocal unequivocally support the idea that people care about the speculation stuff way more than they do about the other things, you know, like it's just traffic. And so, but it just seems like, and this is kind of like just an overall complaint of mine, I guess. Um, I don't know. NBA coverage has just turned more to like never actually remembering that they, they play actual basketball games, you know, like there, there are games on the floor being played every night and everyone. And I mean, it's easy to do. Like I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have the Mavs cap sheet saved on my computer with every <laughs> single free agent that's going to hit the market next summer. And I'm always just thinking, oh, yeah, this would be cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. I mean, it's human nature, obviously, to be thinking about the future. And, mm-hmm. you know, to all of our kind of, I guess, I, I don't know, you can't argue the team has not been very good. And it really hasn't been super interesting for most of the last three years. Now with Luca, things change a little bit. And now with KP, obviously things are too, but you know, so I, I can't blame people for kind of taking an eye off the TV, but I guess, I mean, and this isn't just limited to you guys or to, to Mavs people in general, this is, I guess, for the entire NBA, like there's so much beauty in the day to day stuff. And it's not easy for people who don't have whatever. If you don't have the season pass, if you don't live in the city of Dallas, it's hard to keep up with the day-to-day stuff because you're just not there to see it. But right. I don't know, like talking about the little strides that players make and the, the little things that they're doing differently. I don't know. That that stuff has always really interested me. Um, that's kind of been the things that I've always liked to write about is just like real kind of like, I don't know, almost like esoteric, just real kind of like, if you're not a really avid NBA fan, you probably don't care about it. Um, which is, probably why I'm not just a millionaire writer because I don't reach that big of an audience, I guess, but I don't know. I I just wish that there was more stuff on the, on the Wednesday against Charlotte, you know, like what did, what did Jalen do tonight that he didn't do the other night? I don't know. That, that kind of stuff has always been, I guess, more interesting to me than um, kind of the, I don't know, like the speculation rumor mill things. But again, I'm the exception because clearly everyone cares about, the rumor is way more than the actual basketball, which I, that's kind of what I'm lamenting more than. I'm not saying it's the media's fault. I'm saying it, it's the people's yeah. fault. So people, be better. That's really interesting, though. I, uh, I'm i probably giving away a little bit of the farm here, but if anybody from our competitors are listening, you're, you should close your ears right now. I uh, I spent the better part of today pitching recurring column ideas to the Mavs Moneyball staff because yes. I – you know, the, the NBA season is long. 
it, it is ungodly long. I usually don't see you in person until the Wizards game, which is the second half of the year after you've been grinding for 35 to 50 games. Oh, and, yeah. I, you know, for our staff, a lot of us, you know, I do this mainly for the love. I don't make any money off this. I really, I, I like talking about basketball and I like not yelling at the TV screen. So this gives me something to do. And so that what you just said, they're kind of spurring some ideas for me because I really want to read, you know, when, when we worked for Mavs outsider, and then I don't know if you ever read the two man game, the kind of stuff Rob Mahoney used to do back in the early 2010s, was and really like late late 2000s was the sort of thing that was like awe-inspiring to me because it was just in-depth basketball analysis and as the Mavs and not and really just NBA media has grown as a whole we've we've really shifted to this sort of 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 transactional sense but there's enough interesting day-to-day stuff and really I think for for you know Mavs fans in general uh, there's a lot of interest in this sort of stuff. Like they want to talk about it. Fish is Dallas basketball.com uh, a website, which is transitioning right now into a, into a different form. The reason that that message board was so popular for years and years is people just like talking about some of the finer points. It doesn't always have to be transactional. So I'm, I'm yeah. you just kind of gave me three or four ideas, which I'm not going to repeat. I wrote them all down here because there are things that I might, see if we could try to do better because you know i watch a basketball game and you watch a basketball game and sometimes and and really this often happens we're gonna see some different stuff oh 100 that is is i think what's really interesting to get in the weeds about because you know i have my biases like it's so funny you listed all these players that you like stand for they just happen to be players that i you know beat the crap out of um but that, that is <laughs> well, not where, always not always you love the too is, i think i did like Aminu, but that is where interesting like conclusions come from is not necessarily the argument but just looking at things from a different point of view so so i'm actually really glad i asked you that question this was uh this was was illuminating for me um bobby Bobby and i are going to be right back after we take a quick commercial break all right, guys, this is Kirk, your enthusiasm. I am back with Bobby Corral of Mavs.com. Now, if uh, if you've been listening for the last uh, two months, which uh, good for you, because I started the podcast at the worst possible time. Um, all I've of my been listening, Kirk. Well, well, all of my guests previously have been non-Mavs people. Uh, I really wanted to kind of, you know, flex a little bit and 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 show who who my friends were but i also you know really wanted that that mavs um that outsider mavs take but but really having you on i think right before media day which is arguably fairly stupid on my part i should have waited a week uh i i really let's let's get into some really mad specific questions that i think you are going to have a a pretty good uh, uh point of view on now, one of the things that really that really interests me is, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, who you know spent the majority of year in my life as as a member of the Mavericks, is no longer with the team. Uh, he will probably serve some sort of role. He was just appointed uh, to a FIBA position, which I think was really fascinating. I'm not sure how that's going to impact anything with the NBA, but I really wouldn't be surprised if he's not around that much this year. Now that said, 
uh, there is is a unconfirmed by the Mavericks, but fairly you know robust plan seems to be there is going to be the an alternate court that features Dirk Nowitzki uh, uh, fade away as, as part of the court design. Now that that one of the things that really got me thinking is how do the Mavericks from a, a business marketing, really just, you know, sort of team-wide perspective, how do they honor the legacy of Dirk while also kind of shifting towards this new team? Because it, the team is really reloaded. Like, obviously, everybody who's listening to this podcast is a super fan. This has the chance of being the best Mavericks team in five-plus years. So so how does that really, like, work out? Because, you know, you don't want to just move on from a franchise icon, but the man just looms over the city of Dallas. Yeah, I mean, his name is literally on the street that takes you to the arena. So, I mean, it's pretty inescapable. And, I mean, the, the silhouette on the court is another good way of doing that, too. I think of just kind of honoring him and his legacy. But, um, you know, I don't want to speak for Dirk or – for the entire Mavs organization, but the way that I see it is, you know, he is probably not going to be around too much this year, like this specific season, just because it's his first year away from the game. It's his first time that he'll get to spend like the holidays with his kids. And, you know, he hasn't been able to go to Germany, you know, outside of the the summer months, basically in 20 years. You know, since or at least since the lockout, you know, and they and they they won the championship and the season didn't start until Christmas or whatever. Um, he hasn't been to visit uh, his wife's family in Sweden, and I I don't know if Jessica still has a lot of family that lives in Africa as well. But I mean, like they want to travel a lot, and they did a little of that this summer. But I'm sure they'd like to do that a little bit too this this fall and this winter and spring. So I'm not sure how much we'll see him around this actual season. Um, I think like from a I guess a marketing or storytelling standpoint, um, the next time that it's really going to be kind of about Dirk is like the Jersey retirement and statue and all that stuff. And I'm not like high level enough in the organization to know when that type of thing is going to happen. It could be tomorrow or it could be in five years. I have no idea. I do know that it takes a very long time to build a statue. So I don't know when that's actually going to happen. Um, But, I mean, I think kind of the the good thing is, uh, for us, is that Dirk has left at a time now where, like, the expectation can now shift to, like, let's win. You know, Mm -hmm. for the last couple years, you know, even going into last season, I think it was, like, it was fair to think that they had a shot at making the playoffs. You know, if if everything worked out right. Like, if Lucas hits, Dennis takes the leap, Wes and Barnes are good, and DeAndre is, like, shows that he's still got something – and it just went sideways so fast, basically, like, within the first 10 games. And Dirk was out the whole year. So it was just kind of like, eh, what a bummer. But, I mean, really, aside from that year, the couple years before, there was not a lot of hope kind of going into the season. And so all the attention was paid to Dirk, uh, rightfully so, of course. But now that he's now he's gone and the team has gotten a whole lot, I guess, younger and more exciting. So I think those two things kind of go hand in hand where, like, from from our perspective – we can just talk about these shiny new toys. I don't know. I mean, like if KP is healthy, then it's going to be awesome. You know, they're going to be yeah. really, really fun to watch. And so, um, you know, I think strictly from like a, a storytelling standpoint, I think he kind of, 
like this is real weird to say because like if it were up to me he would play forever but he kind of left at like a good time yeah I think. and I think that he views it that way too because now I don't know it's kind of like he's like handing the business off to his kids you know before he before he, he leaves so um I think it worked out great and now as long as they're good it's going to be really easy to not think about uh you know kind of Dirk and his legacy and all that stuff or at least like not really focus too much on it um but if things go poorly again then I'm going to be like all right when's this jersey going up in the rafters <laughs> like, I, I need I need to feel good about something again you know so yeah. uh, hopefully things go well that's that's really interesting you know one of the things that has as an NBA consumer one of the and you know maybe it's just the Laker hater in me but one of the things that has absolutely driven me crazy is the fact that Kobe Bryant does not go away he is omnipresent around basketball. Even just today, reports surfaced that he held a mini camp for like ten really good NBA players. He's been retired from and the Jordan league Clarkson. For, and Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, that's fair. And and, and I was uh, also I was super excited to see that Luca's name was not on that list. Um, anyways, <laughs> different story. But it, it, it's you know as much as I appreciate and revere you know some of the. The, the legacy that comes with with a guy like Kobe, there's also just something to be said for riding off into the sunset. So if 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 Dirk is doing what you know it seems like he's going to be doing, which is just taking some time for himself and his family, I think that really benefits everybody because when he comes back, it's like I don't know if you're a WWE fan at all, but like when wrestlers, you know, back when I was a kid, would like take a break, like when Shawn Michaels went away for a while because he was getting healthy. Like when he came back, the enthusiasm was so high. Now, for a guy like Dirk, who who you know Mark Stein quite reasonably says is is the most important athlete for the Dallas uh, uh, area. If if he is is going to be in the background for a while and then happens to come back uh, just to you know have a jersey retirement or stand up and wave to the crowd when the Mavericks are like fighting for like the fourth seed in the West like in January of 2021 something like that like that is only going to help everybody it's going to be really exciting like that's the sort of, so it, it, I, that I hadn't really given a lot of thought maybe because I didn't want to until you and I have talked. But I do tend I, I tend to agree with what you said. So I would have liked to have seen Dirk come back and play one more year with the kids. But really, it, it just it didn't. You know, he had such a hard year medically. Uh, the sort of thing that that you know people like me didn't understand until I read Brad Townsend of the Dallas Morning News' story about you know what he went through for rehab. So I'm I I've really come. I've been at peace with you know the situ you know the the situation since he announced his retirement. Now I don't really have this on on your and I's rundown. Could could you talk a little bit about what that was like? Like, did you have, like first? I'd kind of like to know what your involvement was, and then second, like, what was that like being there? Because on TV, my I live in Virginia. My wife and I were freaking out because we didn't know like we knew something was happening, but not that. So so let's talk about that for a minute. You're talking about forty-one twenty-one one. Yes, the last game. Okay, so, oh man, uh, I don't remember exactly whenever we kind of had like the the first sort of discussion about that night. I mean, obviously, when the schedule came out, we kind of thought it was going to be something pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, that's going into last season, and even like at, at the midway point, no one really had any idea like if he was going to keep going or not. I mean, we didn't know, but. 
as the season kind of wore on a little bit and, you know, he was dealing with the, the ankle thing that just would not go away and would not go away, would not go away. Uh, we kind of felt like, all right, well, maybe this is, maybe it is, you know, and even if it's not, then we're going to make it the coolest thing ever anyway. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it came together pretty quick. I, I think, I mean, it was kind of thought about for months, obviously, but the first time that I heard who was actually going to be there, they were going to bring the five guys and they were going to walk out on the floor and we're making this video. And I mean, I guess like five videos, six videos, um, every single one of which made me cry. Of course. Uh, it was like February. I mean, like mid February, maybe, uh, early March that I kind of caught wind that this stuff was happening. And, you know, it was, very clearly communicated that this is something that you don't talk about like to anybody like if <laughs> if the, the if the president or if the whatever the if Rick Carlisle calls you up and says hey you better tell me what's going on on April 9th you tell him I have no idea I don't know it's going to be it's going to be special but I don't know exactly what's happening i mean that was the level of secrecy uh to the point that the day of the game, I'm not sure more than like maybe 20 people knew what was actually really? happening. I mean, it was like, yeah, dude, it was such a secret. Um, Do you know I mean, if that includes teammates? No, teammates did not know at all. Oh, wow. Nobody on the team knew. I'm not even sure. I, I'm assuming that Rick knew at some yeah. point just because, I mean, he and Larry have such a good relationship and uh, I mean, he played with a lot of those guys. And so it's just kind of, you know, he, I'm sure he probably knew. Uh, Cuban knew, of course. Sure. But players did not. I'm not sure that, like, assistant coaches did and stuff. Um, people in the office did not know outside of, like, the video team, basically, and Mike and, and kind of and me and Lizelle. And, you know, because we, we needed to know, like, you know, yeah. like, where to be yeah. and what to do and all this stuff. So. Uh, but dude, whenever I first found out that they were going to be there, like my jaw dropped to the floor. I could not believe it. We're going to get freaking Detlef and Charles Barkley and Sean Kemp and Scotty Pippen and Larry freaking bird. I mean, like I could not believe that that was going to happen. And I guess I'll, I'll confess this now. Uh, it's after the fact, I don't think that I can get in trouble for this anymore. But, uh, <laughs> Detlef used to play for the Mavs back in the day. Right. And, uh, he and my dad, you know, because my mom works for the Mavericks in the eighties, um, and throughout, you know, up until recently, but um he and my dad were friends, you know, whenever Detlef was playing here. And so I knew that Det would be coming in town for this game. And so I called my dad and told him that Detlef would be coming. And my dad was like, Why is Detlef coming to the game? And so I told him the whole story and he was like, Oh my God <laughs> And I was like, You cannot tell anybody otherwise I'll literally get fired. So you better shut <laughs> up about this you know. Unless you want your son to be homeless, basically. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it was top, top, top secret, confidential, like military level uh, secret for the few weeks that we all knew what was happening. That is really, I mean, I am by nature a little bit of a critical person. It's just sort of the way I operate. And, And that night, was so objectively cool 
there's just no way around it. You know, you bring in five NBA legends. At some point, you feel like maybe one of them is going to say something goofy. It was awesome. I mean, Sean Kemp yeah. was awesome. Rick Carlisle yeah. made my wife cry. Like, when his daughter went and gave Dirk that hug, that was so awesome. I mean, that's yep. the sort of thing that, that you know, screw Magic Johnson for for, for uh, taking away the news cycle from, from Dirk and, and D-Wade to a lesser extent, but... That was uh, God. That was that was such a good moment. I'm. I'm I mean, again, the whole I, night was the whole night was amazing, man. I mean, <sighs> so I found out like right before the game, basically that uh, that night the music playlist was basically going to be like some of Dirk's favorite songs, and so the team came out. Uh, I I want to say it was Under the Bridge or uh, it was it was a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. I, I, <laughs> I don't know exactly what it was, and I was like, dude. I mean, that is so cool because normally. You know, they come out on the floor to, like, whatever the latest uh, Drake song is, which everybody loves, players love, the fans love, and everything. But, like, just getting to hear so many of Dirk's favorite songs, and I know everyone has, like, really hot takes about uh, Good Riddance by Green Day. Even Mike did, and Mike is the one that made the video, and he doesn't even really <laughs> like that song. But I was like, dude, it means something to Dirk. And whether or not you like that song, just knowing that Dirk really does like it is enough to make you love it, you know? Sure. Sure, so, man. It was perfect, and of course he had a huge night too. And you knew he would. I mean, you knew he would. It was it was amazing. It was easily, easily. I mean, my favorite memory of being even close to the NBA. Probably, honestly, probably even more than the day they won the championship. Just being there, leading up to it, seeing all the work that guys like Mike and Jonathan Cornbliss and mark did to get those guys there and put together the, the presentation and everything i mean dude it was so surreal and then after it was all over when i finally got out of the arena at like 1 a.m i get home and i decide to watch mark followell's open letter to dirk that they put on i think like the fox sports twitter page. yeah god and i made it about 20 seconds into it and just bawled <laughs> Balled my eyes out for like 20 minutes and was asleep. I couldn't finish it. it was, I was too emotionally raw, man. I cried so much that night, Craig. So uh, much that night. But it was, it was amazing. It was it's amazing. good. It was like, but it's good it was, crying. It's good oh, crying. Like very cathartic. Like that. And yeah. and few few people really get to go out on their own terms and and in a way that'll be special. And I think as we as we move further and further away, you know, like obviously Kobe's billion, you know, billion shot attempt, sixty point, whatever. Like that was very special and funny in its own way. But like Dirk getting to do that. And it was, you know, kind of a surprise to everybody. Uh, it was just really neat. I, I, I'm glad you talked yeah. about it, even though I, I sort of springed it on you. Um, well, you know, earlier, you know, you and I talked a little bit. You know, you kind of told me you're really looking forward to Justin Jackson. There's there's KP and Luca. There's really a fair, you know, there's a fair amount to look forward to this season with players. And, and I think that what you and I should really do is we should circle back I don't know, probably November, December, and talk about what's what what has happened because you know we we have media day coming up on is it Monday, Tuesday, uh, Monday, yeah, September third, Monday. So so like we're and really getting into real quick, the... we're gonna be we're gonna sorry uh, we're gonna be live streaming uh, player interviews on I think Mavs dot com, but you'll be able to find the link on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything. It's gonna be follow on Coop. They're gonna be interviewing players all day, so definitely check that out 
those are those are great i really like media day is just just one of my my favorite days like i still remember the uh the sam dallenbear picture with the splits like that is just like it's an iconic oh, yeah. nba photo so like media day for Absolutely. for for hardcore nba fans i think it's it's just ma- it's mainly catered to those of us who are nuts uh it's just a delightful day to really spring back into it so i think we should circle back in a couple of months to see how things are going i was really going to ask you you know kind of what are the things you're excited about but i think we've kind of covered that already um well, so, a couple more if, if i can say okay, a couple more, sure. aside, from, aside from justin and, and luke and kp um i really am curious to kind of see what goes on at point guard um i think it's pretty clear that whenever you give delon Wright the money that they gave him you expect or at least hope that he's going to be the starter and i think he's a really good player i think he's a really good defender and they need defense at that position desperately but yeah. if everything that i'm hearing about jalen brunson is true then i don't know what is going to happen because that dude was so good down the stretch last year and he improved every month yeah he really did i mean like almost linearly it was unbelievable and if he gets too much better than he was last year i don't know how you can bring him off the bench I don't. That and something else. Really? And I don't know how you can bench DeLon Wright because he's easily your best backcourt defender. But I know you also don't want to – I mean, at least I'm I'm projecting here, but I don't think that you want to start basically two point guards and Luka. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Brunson, if you're, if you're trying to find a guy on the team that can catch and shoot 40% who isn't named Seth Curry – Brunson might be the best candidate. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't think that um, – I want to be clear, obviously. I don't think that DeLon Wright is like going to play his way out of the starting point guard position or anything. I think that he is super good defensively. But, like, I think it's really not going to be like a battle, but it's going to be like a – man, I, I feel like everyone is going to kind of have like a team. I'm either Team Jalen or Team DeLon because they're both so good at what they do. And the question is, which one is better? And so that's that's something I'm looking forward to watching, just those two guys going at it all year. I've never considered that because I just kind of, in my head, I view Jalen Brunson, and really, you know, one of the, th- I'm just going to be honest, one of the things my staff asked me to ask you was your thoughts on, like, like J.J. Barea versus Brunson. But I don't really feel the need to talk about that because if what you're saying is correct here, this sort of plays itself out in the fact that Brunson has both improved and has earned the trust and there's, you know, he'll make the case for himself by playing that we're not even talking about a backup situation within, you know, 20 games, we may be looking at, you know, uh, not only the, the, the Mavericks may have a variety of different starting lineups this year is, is kind of what I'm hearing. I think you'll see that just because I mean, like, if you do go, so, like, I think the starting lineup that's most likely is probably DeLon, Luca, Jackson, Porzingis, and then probably Powell. Mm-hmm. Or Maxi, I guess. But not every team has two bigs. No. And so, if you're playing one of those teams that has two bigs, do you start Brunson? Do right. Do you start Finney Smith and go, like, with more wings? I don't know. I, do you start Curry and just start the game with just, like, pure offense and shooting and spacing? I don't know. I, I think that they have, like – they have so many options to the point where it's like, I don't know what the right one is or will be. I think it's going to really kind of be like a who's healthy, who's available, who's playing well. Like maybe Rick just rides the hot hand the entire season. 
I have no idea. Well, and and health is one of those things that we kind of under that we kind of under discuss from game to game because you got 82 games to play. You you have to have depth. And and yeah. as I've been kind of like thinking in my head, I've I've been kind of coming up with like ridiculous lineups uh you know in my head just cuz the Mavericks have the two tallest players in the NBA and and Kristaps Porzingis and and Boban. And yeah. in my head I've been wondering like are they going to throw out lineups where the shortest guy on the floor is six foot seven? They could do some really cockamamie stuff where they put out a two, three lineup with a pair of seven foot three guys on the back line. They could. And I I know that everybody is like tired of just memeing three guard lineups, but I will die on the (laughs) JJ Devin Harris Yogi group was good, which they were. But this year, I mean, if you're feeling crazy, like I, why wouldn't Brunson Curry, Right and Luca work against a small team. Yeah, like for like five minutes, just blitz them, just go max, just like let's just sprint as hard as we can. And I know everyone's got hot Tim Hardaway takes, but like if he gets from thirty three, thirty four percent to like thirty six percent, then he is a very good offensive player. I mean, the gap is not that it's not that big. I don't think it's like too crazy to ask that you know with the, maybe the ball in his hands less that he could take a step forward in efficiency. And I don't know. I, I, there's just like, there's way, way too many players for the minutes that are available, which mm-hmm. could either be like a major problem or super exciting, I guess, depending on your outlook. I think it's really exciting because somebody is going to claim those minutes. And at some point, unfortunately, somebody's going to get hurt. So yeah. I guess it's good that they've armed themselves with all this depth, but like, I just would be stunned if the opening lineup on you know, October 23rd, uh, if, if that starting group is the same as the starting group on whatever the day their last game is. I, that, that makes absolute sense to me. So before media day, before we hear from any of them in an, in an official capacity, where do you, as, as you know, Bobby, the, the Mavs.com employee, but also, you know, Mavs fan, where do you think the Mavericks fit in this kind of rough and tumble Western conference? Because I don't know what to think. The Vegas lines on them are are, are are almost dead even. I've talked to a couple of, of you know, be, Matt Moore, a betting expert, is just baffled at that line. I, but then, you know, when you and I are talking, I'm more excited than I've been in, like, six months. So, like, I, I don't know, like, how to feel about them. Like, my in my head, I kind of have them as, like, you know, twelfth in the West with with you know maybe three games separating them in the eighth seed. Like it's just kind of wild. Like what what do you what are you thinking right now it, it, with your Mavs? You know, optimism hat. So it's it's tough. It's so tough to project because I think everyone kind of just universally agrees that the the best teams in the West, assuming everybody is healthy and like you know nothing crazy happens, it's the Lakers, the Clippers the Jazz, and the Nuggets in some order. Those are, like, almost penciled in, unless, you know, LeBron goes down and misses six months or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So at that point, you got 11 teams vying for four spots. And I'm pretty sure that, like, Houston and Golden State will find a way to make it. So then you really got nine teams vying for two spots. Portland made the Western Conference Finals this year, last year, sorry, and basically only lost – Evan Turner and Ennis Cantor. I mean, I guess they'll miss Nurkic for a little bit, but they got Whiteside. I mean, 
are they going to be bad enough to lose more games? Probably they're not. My, they're my team that tumbles because, like, Whiteside is just – Whiteside is just basketball cancer. I'm so glad the Mavs whiffed on him. Nurkic is only missing. Nurkic is only missing like a a month or something, isn't he? Like he's he's not missing too much time. I'm not sure because that break was absolutely disgusting. And from what I hear from people, from what I hear from people that know him, like like that have interacted with him before in Denver and whatnot, there are questions about the rehab. Now that's. Some pessimism aside, they were really good when he was on the floor. Yeah. So, but the, it, it, this is this is exactly what we're talking about here. Like, we need to see some basketball really before we get played because, you know, on paper, I, I had somebody you know send me a direct message today that was just like, "Can you imagine the spacing when when Porzingis sets a screen for Luca up high?" And it's yeah, just mean, la- they're often it's laugh out loud like, funny. It's almost unstoppable. I mean, yeah. as, at least as far as like being able to create a good shot. Mm-hmm. They will, uh, unless Luca just really takes a step back with decision-making, which I just, I don't see happening. <laughs> like, they should be able to create a good shot 90 times a game. And in recent seasons, that's basically, and I mean, I'm not like just making fun of Dennis, but like rookie point guards typically aren't very adept at creating good shots consistently. So, you know, whenever it was Dennis and Barnes or whenever it was Yogi and Barnes or Darren Williams and Barnes, they were getting a good shot maybe like 50 times a game, 60 sure. times a game. And so if you're adding like 15, 20, 30 shots that are like at least slightly more makeable, you're still going to miss a lot of them just because, you know, no one ever shoots 50%, 60% from three every night. But like you're bound to make more shots, mm-hmm. score more points. So I don't know, man. I have a hard time seeing how their offense is not, like, top 10, top 15. I mean, what was the Nick Van Exel year? Was the Nick Van Exel year 03-04? That was 0203. 0203. So, so let me tell you a little something about that 0304 team. That was the year with Antoine Walker and Antoine James. Yes! That team, by relative offensive rating, which is basically measures your offensive efficiency versus the rest of the league, that is the best offense of all time judging by that rating, so, like, how mm-hmm. much better you are than the than the average team, essentially. They should have won the title that year, yeah. Uh, well, no, 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 0-3-0-4. The Mavs lost in the first round to the, the Kings that year. Um, yes. That offense oh. is the best offense of all time, and that was when Antoine Walker shot, like, 28% on, like, five threes a game, and mm-hmm. they were still the best offense ever. So, like, I know that everyone has a lot of concerns about shooting, and really justifiably so, because, like, the Mavs are going to probably take 43s a game this year. But you're going to have enough decent shooting to where you're probably going to be, like, fine. Maybe not They have great. a puncher's chance. Yeah. I mean, you're probably not going to be a top five three-point shooting team. But based on the volume that they're going to put them up at, if you're just average, you're going to be really, really good. The question mm-hmm. is, can you stay healthy and can you defend? So – I think that alone gives them an edge over teams like maybe, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm really excited about Memphis, but Memphis and Phoenix, I don't think have it much of a chance this season. So it's really like maybe five or six teams vying for that last spot. I think the Mavs have the leg up over the Thunder for that reason. I think yep. They have the leg up over the Wolves. Um, where it gets interesting is choosing between the Mavs, the Kings, and the Pelicans. 
and I don't know which way to go. And the Spurs, of course, too. Um, I think the Mavs have a really good chance to be better than San Antonio. I think the Mavs have a really good chance to be better than the Kings. But you got to beat the Pelicans. I mean, I, I don't know. you got to beat the Pelicans, and you got to beat the uh, – who the heck am I missing? Who did I just say? Memphis Kings, yeah. um, Blazers, Spurs, Blazers. I, mean, I don't know, dude. Like, I mean, that's kind of yeah. That's, kind of that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, you got to be that. Like, not only so if if what I was saying earlier is right, where like, let's just put Portland in. That means mm-hmm. that you have to be better than seven other teams. Yep. To make the playoffs, like that's so tough. Are you going to be better than San Antonio and New Orleans? Like both of them, because you have to be. Oh yeah, and you have to be better than Minnesota. And you have to be better than the Kings. I mean, I, I don't know. It's really tough. So, like, they could win 43 games and miss the playoffs. Right. That, like, what was that year that the, that the Phoenix Suns won 45 games and missed the playoffs? Like, that was one no, of those. They, do. They, won, they, won, uh, they won 48 that year. 48. Okay. God. What the, yeah. the West is just preposterous. So the, this yeah. is this is kind of where my head is. I'm, but I, I will tell you, I'm getting really excited. Like the fact that the Mavs played New Orleans three times in their first twenty games, I think Dallas steals at least two of those. Because you know, my my next question to you, just because I really wanted to get a little more expansive in, in the last ten minutes as we talk here, is if if you know, objective Bobby, which young core do you like better, Memphis Grizzlies or New Orleans Hornets? Well, real quick about New Orleans, it would be sweet to beat them twice in the first, whatever, 20 games or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that game, that Friday night game, the second game of the year, that's their home opener. Yep. And that might be the loudest that building has ever been before. So it's going to be down. really, really interesting to see how that game shakes out because it's going to be like the Super Bowl down there. But um, I, I think that I like New Orleans is more just because – they have, like, better veteran players in place to help him. Like, I love Drew Holiday. He's awesome. And, uh, I mean, him alone being there just really kind of helps elevate everybody else. Sure. Especially defensively. Uh, Derek Favors is really good. J.J. Redick is really good. So Yeah, they might have more veteran them. help. They, they, they're they probably yeah. a better team. But, like, let, like I guess what I mean is, like, look at their young dudes. Like, like so yeah, Memphis yeah. I mean, has – Yeah, away the vets. Yeah. So Memphis has Jean Morant, Brandon Clark, and our our favorite uh, uh, Jaron Jack, Jared like Jackson my Jr. favorite Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think could be could be an absolute superstar. Then you have uh, Col- then you have uh, Zion Williamson, um, you know, z- uh, the Ball, Ball brother, Ingram, Josh Hart, and Ingram, and and uh, that yeah. is just uh, yeah, like so we where think- I was going with the with the with the veteran thing is like. Those guys will help them this season, but I think two of them are on one-year contracts, and so beyond next season, I don't know what's going to happen with them. So That's true. They they have like a pretty good system in place right now, um, so I think the Pelicans will be better than the Grizzlies because of that. Yeah. But dude, if the Mavs weren't going to get Luca, then Jaron Jackson was the guy that I was like, please, please make it happen because I I loved his game coming out of college. Uh, John Moran looks like he'd be real nice. Brandon Clark obviously is like, if you polled people that are just on Twitter, like he should already be on the All Star team. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they they got three really really likable players, you know, um, whose games seem like they'll all mesh pretty well, especially on defense, which matters a whole lot, especially if you're going to rely on two kind of bigger guys. Um, but dude, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
if, if Zion is the real deal, which he might be, I mean, that makes it like he's probably the best player of those six, right? Yes. And so the, the tiebreaker usually goes to the best player. So I don't know. But I think what's crazy about all of it is that Zion and Luca are like basically the same age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, whenever you're like forecasting futures, it's unbelievable to think that like Memphis is the rebuilding team, but Luca is essentially, I think Luca might even be younger than John Moran. I mean, it's like, it's crazy to think how young all these guys are. It, I don't, I don't want to go down this road just because I, I, it makes me want to drink, but it's, it's somehow crazy to me that in that three-way tie with Memphis, New Orleans, and the Mavericks, when it came to the NBA lottery, those two teams moved up and Dallas moved down. And I, yeah. I just, I'm going to be thinking about this for the next 10 years, that what would have happened if Zion ended up on the Mavericks. But that's not, that's not what I want to focus on, everybody. Ignore Dude, me. I'm, I'm a crazy so person. We were, having a, we were doing like a live podcast during that, the lottery. I remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, there were like, there were probably like 30 or 40 people there. I mean, it wasn't like a, it wasn't, you know, 20,000 or anything. But before they did the drawing, I told everybody, you know, I forget exactly where the maps were. I think they were like the sixth lowest odds. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically said, you know, count to six. And if you haven't heard the Mavs name by then, that means they've moved up, which mm-hmm. most of the time is true. Yep. But they read the Hawks name and everybody in the place lost their mind because that was the sixth team. Well, that was obviously, that was the Mavs pick. They just like went ahead and gave it to the Hawks already. Yeah. So everybody was pretty disappointed about that. But it was, the bar was very, very lit for about five seconds. Yeah, that's something else. Well, I looked something up while we were looking here. Would you believe that Brandon Clark is 11 months younger than Chris Stapp's Porzingis? Uh, oh, my God. That's uh, that's a thing. Just just keep that in your head. I love Oh, my him. God. I love Brandon Clark. Uh, Coop killed me for this take, but I thought that if the Mavericks like jumped up to like four, that Clark was the guy because – you know, as much as, as you know, uh, Dwight Powell exists, I like what Clark brings to the table. I'm just, I'm addicted. Jonathan Sharks, our friend, is is just all in on him. I love him. But, like, then when you read that out loud, that he's uh, he's going to be 24, he will be 24, I guess he just turned 23. Um, he'll be 24 next September is, is that's, that's just, you know. So, um, maybe the Memphis uh, I mean, Clark is young. Yeah, I mean, it really does, and his jumper looks but, like, like like KP was an All Star two years ago, <laughs> right? Which right. Is just kind of like that puts it in perspective. It absolutely does. I mean, the other thing that I think that made Clark fall was the fact that his jumper looked like Sean Marion's put through a blender, which is really saying something. Um. Well, we have not very much time left. I've taken up far too much of your time. I appreciate you talking to me this month, uh, much. I but I wanted. Not, to- I I don't have much other stuff going on. So, <laughs> well, I was going to play Borderlands three, but that can wait until tomorrow. Um, FIFA twenty six have... came out, so I guess I actually do have a lot of other stuff going on. See, FIFA you could. You mean you got to play video games before the season starts? Um, That's true. Do you do you have any other NBA storylines, like bigger picture stuff, that you're actually interested in, like as an NBA fan? Uh, okay, so I'll give you two. So first off. Uh, this is, I guess is kind of obvious, but Harden and Westbrook together is sure. like 
it, it could either be the coolest thing ever or just really, really kind of, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm curious to see how that works out. Like props to Houston for changing it up, but I do think it's kind of, I don't know, like being on the narrowly losing end of what probably would have been a championship. Let's be honest. They probably yeah. would have won had they gone to the finals that year. I mean, think of how, like, emotionally attached Mavs fans were to the team that actually did win and how kind of, like, that's still a, a talking point, how the, that team did never get to play another game again, you know, after game right. six. Imagine being so close, so close. I mean, like, don't miss 53s in a row close to winning <laughs> a championship. And then, like, within 12 months, like, two or three or four of those guys are gone. Like, yeah. that's just so weird to me. So, I mean. Like, on the one hand, I think Houston, you know, maybe they did need to change it up, and maybe some of those issues are, like, un, unsolvable, unfixable. But to be that close and to, to, I don't know, it's just, it's tough. So I'm really curious to see how that how that shakes out. And then also, you know, obviously from the Mavs perspective, like, if it doesn't work very well, then that plays in the Mavs' hands because that's one less team that they have to really worry about. But uh, that's, I guess that's, we'll see in December and January. Uh, and then the other one that I'm really paying attention to, and I know that I just spent like five minutes complaining about this uh, earlier in the podcast, but what are restricted free agents going to do this year? Mm-hmm. There are so many good restricted free agents, and usually the, the RFA market isn't like super loaded or anything, and I can't be too like specific about this or whatever for, for obvious reasons, but um. There's just a lot of really good restricted free agents. And so I'm curious to see, you know, everyone kind of like sort of uh, portrayed this previous summer as the one where you have to spend money um, because like the well is dry next summer or whatever. But next summer there's probably going to be some pretty good players. So like I'm just really curious to see um, what those teams do. And then also if it does look like, you know, that those teams might not keep those guys, how does the kind of like the open nature of the Western Conference, or of the really the entire NBA, um, you know, because the Warriors are kind of taking a redshirt year and KD's, you know, out. Like, does the rest of the league view this as their chance to go swing big, you know, and, mm-hmm. and maybe pull off a trade that ordinarily they might not? And so if you're going to do that, then maybe it is for a young restricted free agent whose team isn't going to keep him. So I'm really curious to see if something like that happens, um, just kind of like the level of activity around the trade deadline. Now, does it mean I want to read about it every day? No, I definitely don't want to read about it every day, but I'm going to be keeping my eyes on it for the next like three, four months. That's, that's actually a lot. So you and I managed to talk over an hour. You uh, have given me so much of your time. I really want to thank you uh, for coming on. We're going to have to talk during the season. Um, I'm still making a waste of your time. No, of course not. Are you kidding me? I like yeah. part of why I wanted to do the pod, and I think you you can appreciate this. Is like you just kind of get it's when you do anything. I don't really want to call what I do creative, but whenever you're doing anything that's like producing something, it's a little bit it's a little bit draining. And so, like, I'm not as good a writer as I used to be. My brain is just empty after having children. I love my son, but it's just it's <laughs> a different deal. So, like, being able to flex. Well, it's just, just being able to flex different muscles and like talking about basketball. Like 
I, I, my last podcast was with my wife. It was, you know, we, we just had like fun laughing about the Mavs social media. And like that sort of really like spikes my interest in basketball at a time when there's just not much to talk about. So like, I like, I like doing this because it, 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 it ends up being a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because, you know, when I, we talked earlier, I was like, Oh, you gave me three ideas for things that I want to like talk about content wise. And like, that's, what's really great about all this because the last several years, with respect to, you know, 2016, 17, I think, like we just haven't had a lot to talk about. Like after, you know, 40 games or so, the Mavs have been who they are. And like, this is, they're, they're going to be really, really exciting this year. And, and yeah. we're in on the ground floor way before everybody else, uh, you know, cause the Mavs bandwagon is going to come back. And I think that we should just be really excited. Everybody should just be really excited. I know I'm kind of the pessimist guy, but like, this is this is gonna be a lot of fun. So so I really appreciate you coming on tonight, Bobby. Dude, absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Anytime, yep. anytime. Yep. I know we argue a lot on on uh, Twitter, but you are one of my favorite people in the NBA. So love you, buddy. Well, guys, uh, and you as well. Well, guys, this has been uh, Cook Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I don't know what episode it is. Probably eight or so. Go to uh, your favorite podcasting app. Look up the Mavs Moneyball Podcast. Give me five stars, and then tell me why I suck in the comments. Uh, uh, this has uh, been Kirk, your enthusiasm. Bobby, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you.